one. Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 13 of The Main Stand. Uh, very, very special episode today. We have with us our first ever real guest that is not just a friend of ours that watches the sport. Uh, so we have with us Julian. I'm not going to say your last name. I'm going to butcher it and feel bad. But no, no, no worries. Julian, how about you go ahead and introduce yourself before we really get into this? All right, so hello, uh, listeners of the uh, Mainstand Podcast. Uh, my name is uh, Julian Faustini. I'm 20 years old, and I'm the uh, founder and creator of Culture with Julian, which is a website that pretty much focuses on the Serie A. And on that website, I write articles based on uh, pregame and postgame analysis, injury updates, and uh, transfer news. Um, what I did was I also created an Instagram account, so you, could, you guys could follow it. It's at uh, Culture with Julian where I pretty much post every time I uh, upload an article onto the website, so that way my supporters are updated on like one article that is posted so they could immediately go on the website and view it. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, we'll make sure we link all that stuff right down Absolutely. like in the description yeah, of the YouTube. Yeah. Oh, so, perfect, well, thank you so much. Yeah, all, all, your, all of his socials will be right down like in the show notes and everything like that too, guys. So definitely make sure you go follow Julian um, if you wanna get your Syria updates. Um, I know that it's been a league that We've talked a lot about on the the podcast kind of leading up here. It's been Josh's uh, new favorite league over the past few weeks here. So it's uh, we been just wanted to have probably Julian our on. number one league to talk about, aside from the Premier League. Yeah, uh, yeah, next to the PL, I think it has because Mitch has been ranting about Fiorentina since the inception of the podcast. <laughs> Top six, baby. Here we go. And yeah, so we we can start with that, yes. Julian. So the very first episode of this podcast. Uh, Mitchell said that Fiorentina was a uh, really strong contender to top the Serie A table, and he said that they were going to make top six and get into the Champions League. And uh, we have now a bet where if Fiorentina make the top six, I am going to find Mitchell one of the Fiorentina kits that has Nintendo as the sponsor. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) They make top six. So we'll start with that. Julian, do you think that Fiorentina can crack the top six of the Serie A this year? And if not, how outrageous of a statement did Mitchell make to start this podcast off? Well, at the beginning of the season, uh, after Gattuso resigned only after like 30 days, if I'm not mistaken, they hired Vincenzo Italiano, who's very well known. And he did a fantastic job last season leading Spezia to to a... to a very good 15th place finish. So I already knew that he was going to be able to turn Fiorentina around after their poor season last year. And also he made three three very impressive signings, uh, Nicolo Gonzalez, Odrio Zola, and Lucas Torreya. Three players that honestly brought like a lot of energy and made this new Fiorentina side a lot more vibrant on the pitch. However, though, I still think that uh, Mitchell's, uh, pot, uh, Mitchell's uh, statement is pretty outrageous. Like, <laughs> Outrageous yes. despite all that. But, but based off everything that's going on this season, Fiorentina has done the impossible. They've managed to clinch six wins and six losses and are currently like just below the top six. So like they're proving all the doubt is wrong at this point. And uh, will I, can they, can they reach the top six? 
um, it's hard to, it's a little bit too hard to tell as of right now. I mean, as we can see, Juventus right now, like I think I believe they're in eighth and ninth place. And I think it's hard to ignore the fact that they're probably going to like, you know, flip the switch with all the talent and that, that they have and rise to the top of the table, rise into the top five or at least top four. But I think if there's one team that they could possibly overtake is Roma. As we've seen in the Conference League, uh, Mourinho played a second squad to rest Roma's uh, first team and they lost 6-1. So we can see that uh, Jose Mourinho's Roma don't have a lot of depth. So I feel like as the season goes on, they're probably going to accumulate a plenty of injuries and I feel like Fiorentina could definitely overtake them and possibly make the top six. So I don't think it's entirely possible at this point of the, of the season. Before we get into too much Jose talk, uh, Julian, do you want to tell everyone, we know you're an Inter Milan fan, do you want to tell everyone kind of that story and like how you got into Serie A and specifically Inter Milan? Yeah, for sure. Well, I mean, part of the reason why, uh, well, Inter Milan is through families because uh, um, one of my great uncles supported Inter and ever since then, I've just always fell in love with the club. But the Serie A especially, it, uh, it's a league that I've always loved due to the fact that it's always uh, so, uh, lots of drama. It, there's so much excitement and there's so many, uh, um, a lot of like over, or games that are overturned and like unexpected, with unexpected results, even like the bottom place teams overturning and, clean, and clinching three points against the top half team. So like it's always unexpected and there's so much drama. The fans themselves too, there's so much passion and loyalty from the fans. And due to the fact that like a lot of the cities are located in, in close proximity, there's always so many rivals in between all 20 clubs. And especially this season, this season is probably the most competitive season we've seen in the Serie A, in my opinion. Uh, I was just looking at the tables the other day, and from 14th place to 6th place, there's only a five-point gap in between all those teams. So it's, it just shows how much of a how much of a small difference there are between every team, which makes this league so exciting. I think one thing that's cool about the City A is also the fact that it, it's like, or like just kind of these big European leagues in general is they're so tied to the history of that region. So there's like almost that romance about the Serie A too, that like you, I don't feel like you get that same feel in the Bundesliga or in La Liga. Like obviously there's a different passion. Is it is it that same level of dedication to your club? Absolutely. But I feel like it's a, it's a little bit more of a storybook kind of feel in, uh, in Serie A. Over, over the other uh, top leagues in Europe. Yeah, and we've been talking 100%. about, the, you know, how competitive it is all season. I know I've been talking about that, that it's just electric and, you know, Napoli's top of the table. That's just, I feel like when, I feel like Serie A is better when a lot of the other clubs are also good. I think it was a hard stretch when you, you knew Juventus was going to win for like eight years, nine years in a row, whatever it ended up being. Now that you have like teams like Napoli kind of backing it, Atalanta still fighting for their place, you know, Inter and AC Milan are kind of back at it. It's just, I feel like that's good for Italian soccer and European soccer in general. It's getting people back into the sport, getting new eyes on it. Uh, it's just good, you know, overall. Yeah, Cagliari right yeah, at the bottom yeah. of the table where they belong. <laughs> no, it's perfect. <laughs> I, I, wish, I wish Juve were maybe in like 20th, but that, that's for another day. Um, yeah. Yeah, I'll see you for another episode. <laughs> 
hold a whole different episode. I can talk about how much I hate that club for honestly, I don't really know what the specific reason is. I just don't <laughs> like them. Um, how do you so, feel about Jose being back in the Prem, Julian? Or not in the Prem, sorry, Syria. Oh, uh, to be honest, I'm well, to be honest, as an Inter fan, I, I'm a, I was a little bit heartbroken that he took the Roma job because uh, Jose Mourinho, for those who don't know, Jose Mourinho coached Inter Milan in 2010 and led Inter Milan to their first ever treble and was the only manager in the Serie A to have ever won the treble uh, with an with Italian club. So I was a bit heartbroken at first that he went to Roma because it's hard imagining him uh, coaching another, uh, another Italian club other than Inter. But, however, I do feel like uh, Mourinho brings a lot of excitement to the uh, to the league itself. I think his ideas and his philosophy, and especially with this Roma side, like there's so much youth. And I feel like this is like Jose Mourinho, like uh, pretty much like rejuvenating himself, going back to the basics like, like he did in 2004 with Porto, like taking the, the squad filled with so many young players and, and with, who have lots of potential and just building off of that and hopefully into something spectacular so it's going to be i think it's really exciting but i was also a little bit disappointed that antonio conte left because i was hoping to see that conte and Mourinho feud like you know refuel but unfortunately conte decided to part ways with inter i think that would have brought uh so much more excitement to the city and so many more viewers into the city i felt like almost all of italy would have been hooked on inter versus roma just just for the sake of conte versus Mourinho. i think even the press conference would have been more entertaining than the fixture itself, perhaps. Electric. Electric. And I, a good Mourinho and any manager rivalry, just like personally thinking about like his rivalry he had with Pep in La Liga. Like any, right, any right, exactly. Like, just like it's just knows how to play the mental game, exactly. Yeah, yeah. The head games that those guys can do with each other just like in the press conferences are amazing. Um right, so, right. speaking of uh Jose's trouble winning Inter Milan team, um I'm curious your thoughts. So Football all time. Where where do you place uh, that Jose Mourinho treble winning team? Like uh, Champions League all time winners, or like uh... just like that the team itself. Like where oh, the team itself? Oh, okay, okay. So the team itself, probably like in the top ten. I feel like right at the right in the, in ten in ranked ten to the top ten of all time. First of all, like they have so many. I mean, if you look at that Inter, that Inter side that Mourinho won the trouble with, there's so many. There's so much like world class talent. You have uh, Wesley Snyder, who, in my opinion, was the best player of the year that that season. Got robbed from the Ballon d'Or. Yeah, Messi. he, he low key got my robbed. Guy. He my low key guy. got robbed. I mean, let's be honest. There, uh, he won the treble and made it to the finals within the 2010 World Cup with the Netherlands. He got robbed. Uh, Esteban Cabiasso, Zanetti, uh, Milito, Eto, Lucio, Samuel. I can go on and on about it. But also at the same time, they don't. They didn't have like much depth. Like if you look at their bench, like it wasn't the best. Bench, Pandev, um, Montari, Mario Balotelli, who was just on the rise. So that's why I wouldn't rank them so high, like so high within the top 10. But what makes this team so special is like the mentality and the commitment of this team. Like I've never, in all my years of watching the sport, I've never seen a team like so dedicated and so committed towards a goal where they didn't even have reference or any inspiration. Like they couldn't look they couldn't look in, back into history and say, oh, you know, like, let's try to win the treble like these guys. They, there was no sense of inspiration. Like, these guys had to dig deep and be like, okay, like, Mourinho went to that dressing room and was like, okay, we're going to make you guys the first ever Italian team to win the treble. They had no history to, like, gain that inspiration 
from they have to like dig deep and find it within themselves. And I think like that's why Jose Mourinho is like the special one or the one the, the one that's not we as he claims he's not just one of the bottle. Like he's he's spectacular in the mental aspect of the sport. Yeah, I think that's what made that team so great is is it really was a case of like making history. And and I think that their their story was so cool. And I think a lot of the players on that side, honestly, I feel like they get a little underrated, like as the, the years have gone past. Um, so it, it, yeah, I would say, I think 10 is, is good. And I was just curious what your thoughts as an Inter Milan fan were about, you know, that, that side. I imagine for you, it's like, you know, a made like you love them, I would imagine. Uh, but yeah, yeah right, I how, how you felt about them, like in the, from like more of a, a neutral perspective, because I would love to say that like Man City's hundred point team is is the best club side of all time, and you know I would I would love to make that argument, but you can't always you know say that. So. No, 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 for sure, for sure, hundred percent, hundred percent. I I have a quick thought, um, just kind of going back to that managerial rivalry that could have been, uh, obviously with all the managerial changes we've seen over the even the weekend uh the last few days um but like i guess my thought is is like if conte did stay if if that whole season was able to have that kind of battle do you think it would have gotten the respect it deserved with the current climate of the game with how every like i feel like over the last few months, just the game of football has kind of been under a magnifying glass with so many player mo- movements, so many scandals, so many like big ticket issues. Do you think it would have gotten the respect it deserves in in the setting that it's in? I think so. I, I think definitely. I think it would have made the fixture Roma versus Inter already such a big fixture like two Italian clubs playing against each other but I think it would have increased the magnification attract more attention to, to like having two of the biggest managers who had this feud recently in the previously in the in the Premier League facing off in the Serie A in two different clubs so yeah I think it would definitely increase the respect and I think like all they hate each other I think both of them respect each other as managers deep down they they, they each respect each other's accomplishments and so yeah I think it would, it would definitely increase the respect Sure, absolutely. I just wanted to see what your perspective on that was. Um, Julian, another, I I guess, um, I'm just going to kind of bombard you with a couple of thoughts that I have about the league, (laughs) you know, Serie A as a whole here. Um, just because I feel like the the league itself may not get as much, maybe at least not stateside, maybe, maybe European, you know, it's or you know, the other side of the globe, it's a little different, but stateside, you know, it's, it's like, it's like that league that, you know, for us here, it's like only available on ESPN plus it's like the league that people go to when like, maybe like a big game is on or like, they're like waiting for, for a team to come on or like they're, they're turning on their like, Roku ESPN app and they're pulling it up and they're like, oh, there's a soccer game on, you know, I'll watch the Serie A. And it's kind of gotten this reputation over the years of being like this like slow and defensive kind of league. And I think that like the English punditry especially has really played a part in giving the league that kind of stereotype. Uh, My question for you is, is that generalization about the football played in Italy true um, and if not, uh, what is, you know, like Italian football really like? Uh, yeah. 
Well, I think it is true to some extent, like compared to the Premier League, like it's definitely a little bit slower and like more on the defensive side. But there are moments where like the teams go back and forth and like, you know, go like don't care defensively and go straight towards goal. Like we've seen, like for instance, Atalanta, apart from Inter Milan, Atalanta, uh, like one of the most exciting sides we see you see them like they're pretty much very similar to a lot of the Premier teams where that like where they don't have the best defense so they rely heavily on their offense and when they have the ball rather than possessing and trying to break down they just try to go direct and hope for the best and like based off statistics I mean the two seasons ago the season uh 2019-2020 Atlanta scored 98 goals in 38 games so and the only team who, who they scored fewer goals than was that Man City team scoring like over 100 goals. And as you look at the, in 2021, out of all the top five clubs, out of all the out of all the clubs in the top five leagues across the world, um, in terms of goals accumulations over the year, Inter, Atalanta, and Napoli are all within the top five clubs. So that just shows that although it is labeled that although this for some reason there's this label of the Serie A as um, as a slow or stagnant lead that's very defensive. I don't necessarily think it's completely true because there are moments where like you know there's a lot of clinical goal scorers and they could break down and score plenty of goals and we've seen it over and over again. Yeah, I I love that Atlanta side. Uh, Gosens is one of my favorite players, uh, honestly. Like just as a defender, Gosens is so underrated. Oh, He's such I'm an underrated player. I've packed him forty-two times. Left back, I want Gosens. He is fucking amazing. And Ilicic, Ilicic is a proper baller too. I love him. Dude has yeah, a "You'll Never Walk you. Alone" tattoo on his leg. No, that's a fan. Absolute baller. He's a, a great, a great f- player. So I, I I agree. I think. Did I, I get I punked? You, were, you got punked, Josh. I thought that was him. Are you sure? No. One million percent, Ilicic does not have a tattoo of himself on his calf touching the This Is Anfield sign. I, I think you pay for Liverpool. <laughs> I, I also wanted to chime in that just you mentioned Napoli. That's one that goes under the rug, too. They are balling this year. Victor Osman's insane. He is such a good yep. addition to them. And Lorenzo Insigne, too, is just a player I always wish Liverpool would have got. I I think he's just been fantastic, like, the past four or five years in Italy. Napoli are just such 100%. a fun side. We had a couple yeah, good yeah, run-ins with them, too, in the Champions League. So We always yeah, do. Well, Those are always good games. I think there's a lot of good sides in the Serie A. So that was my hope, and I, I think you did sell it, is, is that there is – really really quality football in that league and I'm, I'm glad you could be here to kind of be a, a voice of, of someone who consistently watches it and can really like speak to it a little bit better than maybe we can sometimes too because I I try to to get in as you know to, to dip my toes in every country's ball to some extent but it's tough to do yeah for sure I, I totally under, I totally understand what you guys are saying yeah even for me as a Serie A fan it's hard to uh constantly watch uh, Liga or the Premier League. Uh, I try to watch the big games occasionally, but it's hard. Especially trying to revolve your everyday life around the, the beautiful game, it's hard sometimes. I totally agree. Yeah. Do you um, support the Italian national team too, Julian? Yeah. Yeah. So you must love the summer. Beating so yeah, this summer for me, it was like a dream come true. <laughs> Do you like Roberto Mancini? Uh, Roberto Mancini, yeah, I, I love uh, I love Mancini. Uh, I would kiss him. 
<laughs> I love Roberto Mancini a lot. Pat I mean, not only, not only because of the fact that not only, uh, like, even before, uh, like, uh, Mancini becoming the manager of Italy, like, I've always loved them. I always loved the style of play, and I think it was incredible that, what he's done with Manchester City, especially that title-winning year where they put the classic Aguero goal in the last minute versus uh, QPR, clinching over Manchester United. Uh, but I think like what he's done with the national team was brilliant. The way he he changed the whole philosophy of the Italian national team. Usually, Italy would just sit back and you know hope for the counterattack and then score. Well, meanwhile, uh, the, during the whole Euro, they were possessing, playing out of the back, and constantly trying to go forward. Even when they even though when they were up by a goal, rather than just sitting back, they would even try to they would still try to score a goal and double their lead and you know. And which was very exciting. It was very entertaining to watch Italy. I think it was probably one of the most entertaining uh, Italy sides I've seen in a very long time. And yeah, I think that—that's a good. I—I think that's a good argument for like what you were just saying about the league itself. You have these managers that have a plethora of experience playing in other leagues around the world, and they get to bring those experiences back and share them with the Serie A or or just the Italian national team and it changes the way that game is played. It evolves. So you are going to see those flashes of brilliance. Is it still going to be that technical Italian football? Yes. Just because that's how it's born and bred. Right. That's what we see it as, but you get those flashes of brilliance, those fast buildups, the counter attack that maybe turns into a, a little bit of a gagan press if the ball gets lost like it's just a little bit of a different switch to what is going on that provides something that's really really beautiful yeah no no 100 i think that's why that's i probably with i totally agree with what you're saying and i think that's probably well, i never thought of it that way but i probably think that that's why italy was playing more more of a possessive manner because mancini had experience abroad many of the italian national coaches never we the the coaches that were hired Usually we're within the Serie A or within the within the country itself. It, we never had uh, an Italian coach that coached like abroad in another league before, so it was the first time. So I think Mancini being exposed to the Premier League of the style kind of helped implement his philosophy into winning the the Euro. Yeah, we got to see flashes from so many good players that I don't think a lot of people who watch the Euros really got eyes on before, like. You know, Barella was played a real big part. Spinazzola too. Uh, you know, in those first few games, can you yeah, give our listeners a young player in Italy to keep their eyes out for? Whether that's a you know making a move elsewhere like England or just someone coming up the ranks that you think is going to be a, you know a proper baller. Uh, right now, uh, probably. Well, I think. Well, one of them definitely, uh, Chiesa. Yeah. Chiesa has been remarkable for not only for Juventus but even for the Italian national team. The kid's only 22 and, he, and he's playing like as if he's Cristiano Ronaldo at the moment. The way he he plays with so much confidence, he's so energetic, and he's not afraid to take on those one-on-one, take on those one-on-one scenarios and to draw the defenders in. And he's so composed and. And uh, like we saw it during Spain, that all he takes is just one shot, and he'll find the back of the net. And you know he's somebody you could definitely rely on big games, and that's what you love to see within a rising star. Uh, another one uh, would probably have to be uh, Giacomo Raspadori. Uh, he's a young striker, and he's doing pretty well with. I forgot which. I believe it's. 
is it Sassuolo? I believe it's Sassuolo. Sassuolo, yeah. It's Sassuolo. He's doing pretty well. Last season, he scored, like, in, like, very little appearances. He scored about five, six goals. And he made the, the Euro squad last uh, last summer. So, like, he's definitely on the rise, too. And I wouldn't be surprised uh, seeing him soon replace uh, Chiro Immobile, who's, uh, who's aging and, who's aging and, you know, it's about to, it's probably going to retire within time. Yeah. Another young player I've kind of had my eyes on, Sandro Tonali. Mm. Oh, for really sure, like yeah. Too. Sandro Tonali has been uh, has been brilliant for sure. I mean, especially for AC Milan this year, I think we've seen the brilliance that he could bring, the creativity, the way he wins the ball back. After a, after a difficult season last year with his... Uh, after a difficult season last year uh, as, a, as an AC Milan player, we, we this season we saw more of, uh, more of his talent, what he could bring to the team for sure. Yeah. Very, very good player. I like him a lot. Um, <laughs> so we have a bit of a, a fun question for you. I now. have another one to add into this too. All okay, right. okay, for sure, for sure. So the first one, uh, best Italian football brand, Kappa or Diodora? Or Macron. Mm. Or Mac- yeah, or Macron. I forgot that one. Uh-huh. Okay, okay. I have to go with Kappa. I mean, I always love their clothing. I, I work. I used to work at Evangelista Sports, which is like pretty much like the largest retailers and of soccer of, uh, of soccer in Canada, and they sell Kappa clothes. It's just the, the the clothing is always so nice. And also, like whenever I think of Kappa, I always think back back to the days of the classic jerseys, Serie A jerseys, were pretty much like where like in that moment all of the Serie A clubs were sponsored by Kappa. So it just brings back like all those beautiful memories so I, I, I would have to go with Kappa those Black. late 80s early 90s yeah yeah, yeah like and there's so have, much history I just picture Tati like just that iconic frosted tips gelled up like the <laughs> the Kappa kits were so clean exactly the day. yeah Dude, the, the track suits were something else there's like you can find yeah, old yeah. Kappa Juve track suits Dude, if you see someone wearing one of those, smoking a couple Bernies, that is not someone to mess with. <laughs> yeah, 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 you know what I'm saying, man. You know. <laughs> uh, or the the old Napoli ones that had the logo like all down the arms. Those are crazy. yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, I think Napoli is one of the only clubs that still have Kappa as a sponsor. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, yeah. great. Were, right. were they Kappa when they used to have Mars as the sponsor on the front? Oh, I'm not so. Sh- I'm not too sure. Back when Maradona played, I'm not sure if they we'll were either back then. We'll have to do a deep dive. We'll figure that out. We'll come back <laughs> out. We'll we'll talk to our people. We'll get on the phone to the analytics side <laughs> of this department here, and we'll get back to you guys with that. For sure, for sure. Uh, do we have any other questions to ask Julian? Do we want to, you know, ask him anything about the the coaching carousel that's going on here? Yeah, let's tuck into some coaching carousel. We've had some big moves happen over the last couple of days and some heavy rumors start. Um, you want to start over in in Spain in La Liga? Boom. I'm excited about this one. I'm going to be honest, I don't I don't mind kicking this off cuz I kind of like Barca. I love Xavi. I'm excited about it. It it feels really similar to the Guardiola appointment in 2008. Obviously, it's a little bit different because Barca are like really dog shit now like they were bad when Guardiola took over in 08 but like they've got like not no this bad right now and it's not a case of like a lot of aging superstars it's like 
they just lost all of their superstars like beforehand and and Shavi coming in in the middle of the season is scary. So Barca are bad, but and injured. I'm a believer. I'm a believer that Shavi can turn this team around and actually get Barca playing well. His his side in Saudi Arabia played good ball and I, I think he can do it. I think that Shavi will get Barcelona back to some semblance of the, the their identity. I think injuries need to, to to get fixed first and foremost. They have enough players injured right now to field an entire eleven and almost a bench. Wow, it's, it's bad. It Again, is bad. Over direct result bad. of bad. bad transfer policy. Um, I hate Barcelona, and I can't reiterate the point enough that Xavi is just a puppet for Laporta. It is the dumbest. I mean. Barcelona is going to be a case study in a couple years by Kellogg that they're going to give to college students across the country on just bad organizational culture. They are at that level of bad. And this is just another example of, yes, Guardiola is a good one of a former player that ended up working. This is a Lampard signing. He, he might do like have a little hot streak just because there's a manager, but he is going to get fired within the next year and a half. I hope not. I hope he works out. I'm a believer. I, I'm going to believe until he's fucking terrible, but I'm a believer. And to, until he's having to, to do the thing with the, the, the friends in the press. Right. I will be a believer until I see the Fabrizio Romano, here we go, Shavi is getting sacked tweet. Until that happens. <laughs> I still have no fucking clue where this guy came from. What? It's just like one day Fabrizio Romano was like the biggest fucking guy in 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 soccer news. I don't know. The guy is insane. Like I watched the video of a day in Fabrizio Romano's life and it's like insane like what he does in a day. Like it's crazy. Like he's a robot. He's, I, I, he's a fucking robot. I don't understand and how he, you make that many contacts. He has to have like yeah. three times the amount of phones as Adam Schefter. Like, it, like, there's way more soccer news. There's way more soccer yeah. news going around than uh, than football news, American football news. But I mean, Fabrizio, if he like in three months has a tweet that says Xavi out. I th- I think it it would be a, a an injustice to him as a manager. I I don't think it gives him a rightful opportunity. I think they have to give him at least a year, two years to figure things out. Like it can't be. It's not an overnight fix. I think Xavi's status in Barcelona and like what he really means to that club will get him time, similar to how Lampard got a little extra time at Chelsea. So I, I, don't, right. I don't think that it's going to be a case of like. They expect an immediate turnaround or he's out. I think he'll get, like, a full season and then advance some to really, like, implement his style of play and, like, maybe he'll get a, a transfer window. I don't know who they can buy, but there have been Raheem Sterling rumors again. Uh, take him. Wow. Bold language from you, Pat. Take him. I like him. You got to get rid of this guy? He can't finish his dinner. <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, the other manager that we all get to talk about or really listen to Mitchell and Josh talk about uh, is Steven Gerrard going from Villa or going from Rangers to Villa. Um, 
this one feels a little bit better to me. I mean, from just like a, a maybe he earned it standpoint, because, you know, yeah, three years with Rangers, won the Scottish Premiership undefeated. So, I mean, he's got a little bit more merit to earn this transfer. I think it's a good move personally. What about you guys? Mitch, why don't you I, go first? Yeah, I, I think it's a good move. I just hope it's not too soon. Um, I definitely think it's a good opportunity for him to get that next level experience as a manager. But, I mean, he was he's transitioned so fast from player to manager and he's found success so fast. And I don't want him to get thrown into a position where the success isn't going to be there right away because Liverpool fans are hypercritical. We all know that. I I feel like any football supporter is going to be a homer and hypercritical of their club and their former players and whatnot. But Steven Gerrard has proven himself to be a good manager. He was the leader of our club for for years. So he, he understands what it takes to control a locker room. Um, tactically, obviously, going through a season undefeated is massive to win the, the premiership. But this is the Premier League now. He's stepping into a, a, a pivotal role in a, in a solid side. And he has a really good opportunity on his shoulders. And I think, you know, this is this is the test run to see what is going to happen in three years from now when Klopp is moving on. Is, is Steven Gerrard going to step up to the plate, produce a good, solid, competitive Villa side, do good things in the Premier League, and earn his spot as Liverpool manager? I don't know. We'll have to wait and see him next weekend. It's tough. Um, be, but I would like to use the comparison of Brendan Rodgers. He came from Celtic, went to Leicester, mid-table team. Uh, kind of like a very similar situation in terms of probably like where they should be at in the table considering what Villa have spent in the summer window. And Brendan Rodgers has done just fine over the past four years since he left Celtic. Um I don't think we understand really how good Stevie G's Rangers side really is. I mean, he turned a side of like some Liverpool young rejects and a few Scottish players into a team that scored 92 goals and conceded 13 in an entire season. I mean, that is impressive at any level. Mm-hmm. And I do think he has, uh, you know, the brain to be a manager Villa is a great place for him. It's a great footballing city. You know, Birmingham, it's tough, but it's just so rich in football heritage. Um, And he also, it's not like he has to go out and be a world beater and win the league or get top four. He's just expected to be in that probably nine to six realm, at least this year where they started off bad. But, I mean, they've lost five in a row, so he can only go up from here. He has a lot of talent out on the pitch. It's just about really freeing them up and letting them go play. I don't think Dean Smith was a bad manager for Villa. I think he suffered uh, as a part of Jack Grealish leaving and kind of figuring out those tactics afterwards. But this is a great spot for Stevie. As far as like this being a stepping stone to Liverpool, I'm one of those people that I'm not fully sold on Gerrard coming to Liverpool. It would be um, a feel-good thing. Would it be something that would feel good in a few years if he doesn't come up with the results that Liverpool fans kind of, you know... No, it would suck. 
Yeah, exactly. And the thing is, the reality about managing in soccer is that most managers do get the sack. It is very rare that managers and teams separate mutually or they just, like what Jurgen Klopp will be eventually. It'll be a, I want to stop coaching here, go to my next team, take a break, or just be done football in general. That's how Jurgen Klopp is going to leave Liverpool. Stevie G, I mean, is he going to join us at 45 and then manage us for 40 years? No, he's not. So he's he's probably going to get the sack eventually, and I just hate the thought of that. So I'm not fully sold on like bringing him in. Uh, I hope he smashes it at Villa, though, and I think he will give it a proper go. And and I don't want my my words to to be misconstrued. I I'm not sold on it either. I. I don't know if that is the right fit because it's like it's like breaking up with your girlfriend after a really great relationship and then and then she wants to be your friend and then and then she just breaks your heart again if she doesn't produce. You know what I mean? Like I don't want Steven Gerrard's legacy to to shift from yeah. what it already is because he's such a prolific member of our our club's history. And is I mean maybe that has been the the game plan all along. Maybe that has been his goal is to to work his way up from from a, a local lad all the way up to managing the club. You know we don't know that. I definitely but, think that's it. But like that's kind of it's like it's not that it's done and dusted. But I feel like it's assumed. I feel like it's assumed that he is going to do that eventually. What are your thoughts on it, Julian? Do you have any thoughts on Gerrard or managing in the Premier League? Do you think he'll go to Liverpool? Uh, first of all, to be honest, like I'm pretty, I'm really happy to see Steven Gerrard uh, going back, going to Aston Villa, and coming back to the Premier League. I think he has the leadership, uh, the leadership uh, skills, and the tactics necessary to um, turn this uh, poor Aston Villa side around and to you know end the season off, uh, end the season. Uh, and a decent result and I definitely do think that Steven Gerrard's goal is to eventually be able to be the manager of his uh, club of his uh, childhood club Liverpool I do think that this is probably a stepping stone but like uh, Mitchell said it would be unfortunate that he gets sacked and all of a sudden we kind of forget the legacy and what he's done and his brilliance with Liverpool and with it pretty much uh, like uh, like he said the, it would be unfortunate that like his brilliance is shattered by like his failure as a manager. So that exactly. would be that would be devastating. That would be heartbreaking. Because like, but I, mean, I really hope that he does succeed at Aston Villa. I really want him to. And I think like although it's quite a risk for Aston Villa to bring in Steven Gerrard, like although like he has had the experience with the uh, Rangers, not like the biggest club. But I think like it's a very good starting point for Steven Jar. There's not too much expected from him. There's not too much pressure. And I think like if you give him two or three years, he could definitely turn this Austin Villa side around into a team that could probably finish within the top six for sure. This, especially seeing like how much, how willingly the investors are are uh, devoted to and putting money into the team in order to bring these big players in I I could see Stephen G uh, turning this Austin Villa side around within two to three seasons and I think one good thing too is he's young so it's not as hard it's not as far of a stretch for a young player 
to connect with him. He's not that far removed from the game. So those experiences are kind of more valid. It's not like I played the game in the eighties and it was, we, we ripped heaters on the bench before kickoff. And then we got into a fist fight in the locker room afterward. It's a, it's a very different game now. And I think getting younger players to buy into a system is going to be easier for him um to to create that yeah, yeah, sure. it, it removes literally every ounce of pressure um so 100%. I, I, i'm interested to see it and i'm uh, i'm interested to see what happens um in 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 the norwich camp too because we have some rumors can i can i just say one thing mitch you got it you got it in exactly one month from today aston villa play liverpool at anfield Ask, I, oh, wow. In just a I don't month. think there's gonna be there's not gonna be a single Liverpool fan that misses that game. Oh, dude! I mean, dude! Liverpool will just be the whole Premier empty. League. All, all the Premier League supporters are gonna watch that. All the Premier League supporters are gonna watch that. To see Stevie G play against his former club, like even I'm gonna watch that as a trap, trap supporter, game. City or Boys, early, early trap game. Every uh, game is, we cover is a trap game for you, Mitch. I'm tired of it. Shut your mouth. <laughs> It, you're only mad at me when I'm right. Mitch Which just is every week. Podcast. <laughs> Mitch has to be the lawful neutral. But it gets me places because I'm right. Sometimes. <laughs> Especially with that Fiorentina pick. Anyway. Can't wait um, for the tenth, Mitchell. <laughs> <laughs> are you going to get me when they don't finish in the top six? Nothing. Huh? Confident? Nothing. Oh. <laughs> All right. Um, so, so back, back to the manager, uh, you know, carousel, we have some rumors coming out of Norwich that Frank Lampard could be heading over to the yellow and green. Are we going to see Gerard and Lampard face off again in the premier league? And is it going to be sooner than we think? It'll be like the exact opposite of their Premier League careers because Gerard will win and Lampard will lose. Shut your fucking mouth. It's true. <laughs> Lampard's a fucking bad manager, dude. I, if I'm Norwich, I'm not hiring Frank Lampard. <laughs> dude, Absolutely. this is what I'm saying. Is it possible? 100% yes, it's gonna happen. Is it a stupid appointment? Even more. I mean, what a so dumb signing. Really is Timu Puki older than Lampard at this point? <sighs> That's that's funny, but no, I don't think so. I think he's thirty. It's getting, I don't think it's so. getting close. It's getting close, dude. I There's mean, Norwich no is bad, man. I don't think that anybody can save this Norwich side. I just think they're getting relegated. But if you bring in Frank Lampard, I'm going to be laughing for the remaining twenty-eight games of the season because they're getting relegated. I think what they should do is they should just not hire a manager not bring in Lampard and just appoint Josh Sargent to be player manager for the rest of the year. Player manager. What do they have? Four. Right. What do they have to lose? Nothing. Facts. Just make Timu Puki player manager and just let him ride it out back into the championship. (laughs) He's the the player. He's he's the captain. He's a manager. He's like the director of football operations, and he's like the concession manager. I feel like Puki already probably has a role for Finland. He scores him a goal every once in a while. He wears the captain's armband, and he picks the starting 11 and always writes his name first. It would be a, be a, a story if they could get out of the relegation zone, but no. No shot. I don't think Lampard matters at all. I do agree. I think he's going to end up being their coach. But I, I 
they're getting relegated. I, I think this is just like a, oh, cool. How cool is that? Lampard's manager again. He's going to get relegated. Next. You know what my favorite thing about Lampard going to Norwich is? So when they play Leeds away, the Leeds fans can tell him to stop crying. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I think uh, I think I'm going to get off the podcast at this stop. I, uh, yeah. I I I can't keep I can't keep doing this, Josh. What? I can't keep listening to you say shit like this. The, what's wrong with that? <laughs> Mitch is actually a Chelsea fan. <laughs> I bleed blue, brother. Switched from uh, Liverpool or Chelsea to Liverpool the year they won the Champions League. Yep. And don't Every, let him. Do. Everybody knows this. Yeah, exactly. That that he bought that flag yesterday. That's behind him there. Right when oh. Lampard told Klopp he was giving it the biggin, <laughs> Mitch switched sides. <laughs> yep, exactly. Uh, so we've we've kind of gone around the manager carousel here. We've introduced you all to our friend Julian. Uh, this weekend is the international break, so we're going to tuck into like a really short uh, weekend preview. Um, and I'm going to kick it off with one that is not in the notes because I think we're doing our new friend an injustice, not letting him get to talk about a World Cup qualifier. This Julian, is fair. You got Italy and Switzerland this weekend. How are you feeling going into that game? Uh, this is a big fiction to watch. I mean, right as of right now, uh, Italy and Switzerland are tied at 14 points for first place. So whoever wins is just pretty much gonna clinch, pretty much gonna clinch an automatic spot into the 20, 2022 World Cup. So this is one fixture you definitely won't want to miss. Um, although I'm very excited, I'm very nervous because uh, Switzerland's are. We could, we saw it in the Euro. Switzerland's a very talented team. They're a very committed group. Of uh, they're very they play co- very collective, and uh, they could definitely they could definitely they have the capabilities to definitely uh, cause a cause a to cause a what's the term that I'm looking for um, a bit of an upset a, a bit of an upset exactly exactly a bit of an upset they make a shock I got you dude don't worry about it I don't know how to talk oh, thanks man thanks does Jordan Shakiri scare you a little bit. Going up against Shakiri a bit. I mean, he's very technical. He's very technical on the ball. Uh, he's very technical. He's one of the best. He's a very under. He's a very underrated winger. Like it's actually he could, the way he uses both his feet. He's very underrated. I think like he has the score, the goal scoring capabilities too. I think he's a major threat to the uh, to the Italians' uh, back line for sure. I definitely, he, I could definitely see him being one player that they definitely have to watch out for for sure. Italy's defense calves. is so good, man. I mean, Donnarumma is just a brick wall in goal. It's unfair. He should be. Yeah, Donnarumma is pretty much the best goalie in the world right now. I think we can all agree with that. Hands down. He is unbelievable. Literal robot. It's unbelievable watching what he can do between the sticks. I think it's absurd how long he has been playing at the top level. He was yeah. He started. He made his AC Milan debut at sixteen. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He was like their starting keeper by like fucking seven, like eighteen, seventeen. He's just yeah, exactly. Phenomenal player, great beard, amazing goalie. <laughs> I do have one quick question though, not not too serious, but how does it feel actually having a good international side? Yeah, how is that? How is that? <laughs> Is that nice? <laughs> is it nice? Like, yeah. Is it cool? Do you get to sleep? 
I mean, it feels pretty good. Like when the World Cup is coming, you feel pretty excited. And you actually, like, how do I say? Like, you go into the World Cup thinking, like, man, like we actually have a chance of winning this thing. You know? Like, oh, what is that? You know, it's all like. Uh, what is it like not going into your World Cup group? Like, yo, man, I hope we get to the quarterfinals this year. I hope we beat Costa Rica. <laughs> yeah, yo, I hope we qualify. Because I, mean, I feels pretty good. I have to be honest, it feels good, but. <laughs> I, I one day I really really hope the USA gets there. It won't be in my fucking lifetime, that's for sure. But I hope it's one day. <laughs> I think it's sooner than we think it is. But Absolutely right, not. no, right now it is with Gregaga at the helm. I am the men's national team pessimist. We have a bald idiot coaching our team. We're going to lose to Mexico on Saturday. There's the weekend preview with me. That's a, a big match in Cincinnati too. It's uh, it's gonna be a good one, I think. Yeah, yeah it's gonna be big for Concacaf for sure. It's gonna be a huge fixture. It's gonna that can play a, a pivotal role in deciding who's gonna qualify to uh, Qatar for sure. Do you follow think... Canada at all, Julian? Yeah, yeah, I've been following. Uh, I've watched all their games up until now. Yeah. Yeah, they're on the up, man. With Alfonso Davies is a baller, man. He's so. Yeah, cool. Alfonso Davies is phenomenal. That guy, he's so. Um, He's so uh, like he could play any position. You could play. You could you could put him on the wing. You could play him as a fullback. He yeah. he he's just phenomenal. The way he he his pace and his ability to, ability to dribble past defenders and the way he distributes the ball with such precision, it's remarkable. He's honestly a pleasure to watch. It's it's insane. Unbelievably team too. Yeah, the Canadian women's team is nuts. <laughs> Yeah, I know. Uh, Canada's women's team have always been a top team, for sure. Yeah. I don't know what it is about, like, North America in particular, like the USA and Canada. We produce um, pretty mediocre men's football teams, and then our women's teams. Uh, I mean, the U.S. women's team is the best of all time. Yeah, it's a powerhouse. It's a powerhouse, yeah. And our men's team is just, like... Oh, I hope we qualify for the World Cup. Do you guys remember when Tim <laughs> Howard was our keeper? Yeah, right. I get to think back to like, man, I, the last time I was happy about the fucking men's national team was literally 2014. <laughs> <laughs> do you have yeah, any other thought? Any best performance though versus Belgium in the in the round of 16? I was he had an insane performance uh, versus and Belgium. You know what happened in that game, Julian? We brought. <laughs> This fucking bum named Chris Wondolowski with us to Brazil. Hey, he hey, hey. I actually he, like him. He retired yesterday. Wando is a bum. <laughs> he literally retired yesterday or the day before. Yeah, and he's a bum, and he is the reason we did not equalize in that game. Yes. You know who took his chance? The 16-year-old that came off the bench. Not Wando, Mr. Veteran, missed an open goal. I don't, I don't want to talk about it anymore. Let's talk about it. <laughs> You're wearing tie-dye. You can't be that bad. <laughs> um, we have Uruguay and Argentina. Yeah, that's a feisty one in Uruguay tomorrow night. Uh, Messi could play. He's been training with the uh, Argentinian team despite sitting out of his last two games with PSG, which is a little bit funny. Uh, he looks happy. Yes. Cavani is out for Uruguay. Uruguay is kind of in yeah. a weird predicament. They're in fifth place, uh, which is that inter-confederation playoff spot for um, Conmebol. Uh, Argentina are in 
second place, but they're really comfortable. They're not going to catch up to Brazil. Brazil are, you know, I think they're undefeated. They might have drawn one. Um, yeah, they've been dominating. Yeah, Argentina's, they're just solid. They're in a good spot. They don't really have to go too hard in this game, but it's in Uruguay. Uh, these two teams are just known for feisty matchups. Uh, it's generally a match that Uruguay has won, especially recently. Um, so I do think Argentina will probably win, but like all international matches, it'll probably be a low score line. One nil. Don't expect a lot of whistles. Yeah. Low score. They're gonna literally murder each other for ninety minutes. Yep. Yeah, it's gonna be very physical for sure. It's always broken legs everywhere. Whenever two South American, big South American teams play, you're always gonna have a bit of that feistiness, a bit of that uh, physical battle for sure, hundred percent. Combo ball trademark is just like killing each other in World Cup qualifiers. <laughs> Studs up into every challenge. Yeah, they're they they kill each other like the their world. Cup pretty, some of the challenges were pretty. Uh, some of the challenges during the Copa America were pretty savage. Like, let's be honest, they were pretty and, savage. And, and like they get like yellows because it's like studs were up, but he only went in with one foot. We'll give him a yellow. <laughs> he only drew a little <laughs> bit of blood. Yeah, it's uh, he's fine. Say he didn't break his ankle. Yellow card. Got a little easier next time, buddy. Come on. Um, yeah, yeah, for sure. Another another one that I actually like uh, because you know despite the fact that this the it's Spain and Sweden I'll I'll start with that it's Spain and Sweden but I have a soft spot for the Spanish national team just because like the the time I started watching football like really getting into it was like that 2010 to 2012 Spain team that was just like could so, not be beat so good yeah that was like amazing yeah. Amazing. Amazing side, so I also have a little bit of a soft spot. That was the best ever side. Um, yeah, I, I, I think I think the Spanish side will do well. Um, I, I think they're going to beat Sweden, but I think it will be a little bit of a close game. Uh, what about you guys? I'm right there Spain. with you. I think I think Spain all the way here, but um, I think it's just kind of ironing out the changes that have been made over the last you know year to the side. You have new. You, is Ferran Torres is playing on the Spanish team, correct? No, he's still is, injured, but yeah, he's still he's injured. Um, like those new little pieces, I think are going to go a long way once they start getting more minutes, more playing time, healthy from injury. After um, uh, Laporte's nationality switch over from France to Spain, which, by the way, criminal that he couldn't get a game for that French team. Criminal. I don't know how he never made the the French roster. But anyways, that's a different story. <laughs> That's another story to leave. He couldn't get in that back line, but that's a totally different story. I think he looks way more comfortable in the Spanish side, too. He can really, really, really utilize that left foot of his phenomenal passing center back. I think he fits in with Spain way better than he fits in with France. So he seems to be getting on well, too, which is cool. But like Mitchell said, you know, just like implementing the new pieces. These past, you know, few years have kind of felt like not, like a, not a transitional period for Spain, but it's certainly like – they don't have Iniesta, Xavi, and Busquets in the midfield, and that's really all you have to say about how the Spain is versus like what that 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 Spain really was. Yeah, uh, is Spain this just PK's knows last they used year? to be man. Is this PK's last year on the team too? I have no idea. I think he. Uh, I'm pretty sure he retired from the national team already. Oh yeah, no, he's not. Yeah, he, Julian is right. He is not in the side anymore. Yeah. PK those are those are big huge staples of that side so losing them is, it's gonna it's gonna take 
from the Spanish national team. Yeah, it's just going to take some time, and I, I think once they find their footing, it's gonna it's gonna be right back to where they want to be. Um, Spain is known for playing a very fast brand of football. Um, and I think they have a lot of really good pieces to play that brand. I think it's just getting it to getting it to gel again. Mm. Um, yeah, I totally agree with what uh, with what Mitchell said. And I think we we've seen it. We've seen it. Uh, we I think the transitioning phase is occurring a lot faster than we all realize. I mean, we've seen it in the Euros where in the, they made it all the way to the semifinals, and they could have easily beaten that Italy side. They had so many scoring opportunities. And even in the Nations League final, they beat Italy. And those new pieces of the puzzle, uh, Gavi and Pedri, have been phenomenal. Uh, Gavi, the 17-year-old, it was his first appearance with uh, with uh, with the red and white of uh, Spain, and he was remarkable on the pitch. And so I don't think they're too far off. And I I, I think if you give them a two more a year, or two more, they could definitely clinch a World Cup or a Euro on them for yeah. sure. Pedri's got like iron lungs. I don't know how I forgot to mention him, but like that dude is like, he must not do anything but like play football and sleep in a cryogenic chamber because he has played like. Well, I'll tell you what he did all summer. Yeah, he played, he's played an unbelievable amount of football. Uh, and the fact that he's like yeah. kept up the levels too is, is like a, a testament to like both his fitness and his ability. I definitely think that he's going to be a player to talk about in the next. In, <laughs> The next several years. The dude sure. looks depressed all the time, though. He's tired, bro. Yeah, he's, I know. he's exhausted. <laughs> but he's sleeping game you know, every three that, days. Bro. I don't want to play every game. We, didn't we do the math like last week? It's like it, a game every three point four days over the last year. Yeah, he's played. That's crazy. Dude is just That's insane. He's pretty much a starter in every, and pretty much every of those games is a starter. More at less, least seventy like, minutes. At least seventy minutes in every. At least, yeah, exactly. Absurd. I feel bad for the guy. Like I'm out of breath thinking about it. My gripe with Barcelona has just flooded into the Spanish national team. I just have a gripe with them. <laughs> I don't know why. You have to dislike them all the time, man. I, I just do, man. I don't know. I I, don't, I can't stand them, them. Them blocking you rubbed you in such the wrong way. No, that was just a, that made me feel good. If anything, <laughs> you might think that on the outside, but deep down, you're you're concealing something, Josh. We all see it. <laughs> I just um, uh, the last two games are we get to go to the the women's super league over in. In England here, we've got the North London Derby uh, in the Women's League here. Uh, the Arsenal women are fucking so good. Uh, have not They're perfect, and they've only been scored on twice. Um, I think they're going to beat the brakes off Tottenham. And Tottenham's a good uh, women's team, too. I, just, I watched Arsenal women, I think, two weeks ago. I, I believe they're nasty, man. That Kim Little... Uh, player is unreal she can bag some goals very very good player they're they're a fun side if you know if anybody out there wants to watch the women's league this weekend definitely watch the north london derby uh it's, it's genuinely going to be a really good game uh then the other one we've got this weekend is going to be the, the man city women and the chelsea women uh the chelsea women are really good and yeah the Man Brain City Kirby. women are really good too. Man City is loaded. I think uh yeah, they've got some injuries though. They've got a couple that are coming back. Um okay. I think I think uh, Lucy Bronze is uh coming back from yep. injury. I, I think she's either expected to be on the bench this weekend. Not 100% sure though, but I know I've seen 
Um, City tweeting about, you know, they've got some players coming back from injury. So I expect Chelsea to probably take this one. Uh, but Man City women, similar to uh, the men a couple of years ago, have been kind of plagued by injuries this year. Yeah, it's an interesting one, and we're a progressive podcast, so we always like to cover uh, the big Super League games. Uh, also, st- sticking in women's soccer, huge <laughs> news story. Yo. We skipped right over. I'm so excited uh, about this. Over in France, the PSG women have found themselves yes. in hot water. Uh, Aminata Diallo, um, midfielder, new to the club, um, what is she, 22? Or yeah, 22? about, yeah. She's young. Um, so her and Kira, I, I believe you pronounce it Omri, or Omri. Not sure. Um, anyway, they're, they're, uh, Diallo offers to give her a ride to family dinner or team dinner and hires hitmen to stop the car drag them both out of the vehicle, hold Diallo to the side, and proceed to beat the ever-living shit out of Kira's legs so she could take her position. This is some Tanya Harding 94-type shit. When I heard this, I thought it was fake. I thought somebody was making it up. I thought it was April Fool's Day. No, this shit is straight up out of a movie. Like, could you imagine setting up your teammate to damage her legs so you could take her position? Because yeah, you share a position. That's terrible. That's ridiculous. Literally, it's absurd. That is absurd. And and same same as Mitch. Mitch sent me the the Instagram thing about it that like linked to the article or whatever, and I was like, no fucking way. This is fake. This is fake. Why is why is four three three this giant? football Instagram publication posting as our former president would say fake news what what that's not true and then I read the article and I was like no fucking way that really happened that's absurd so yeah I, <laughs> yeah, I had a hard time wrapping my head around it too for sure I just found like like it was just so it's just so stupid to imagine teammates hurting each other like it was just so like absurd like i don't know the crazy crazy, the crazy thing to me is she actually got the minutes they played a match the following day and started in her position knowing full and well she organized breaking this woman's legs she was in the hospital for a couple of days getting uh the the leg injuries and hand injuries the self-defense uh injuries treated I like. I don't know how, as a club, you move on from something like this. Like in America, we had the Tanya Harding situation, but that was an individual sport. They were individual figure skaters on the U.S. national team for the '94 Olympics. Tanya Harding Harding didn't want the competition. Nancy Kerrigan was the direct competitor. So what she do? She hires her ex-husband to go jump her in the fucking tunnel at the ice rink. It's it's the exact same thing. Like, did Diallo it's like read about yeah. Tanya Harding? Did she watch I Tanya last week? And she's like, oh shit, I got the idea. I'm gonna be getting some minutes. It's a really good movie, by the way. Just throwing that out there. Sorry to deviate it's a good movie it's a good flick i'm not it's a good movie yes based on a true story 
Yeah, it's it's a good film. It, it's a good film based on an absurd true story. Maybe we'll get a movie out of this one. Um, Doesn't think, mean you should beat the ever living yeah. shit out of your teammates with. I think they have to con have to terminate Diallo's contract, right? Like maybe they're they, waiting. They have to. They have to. They've just released a statement that says that they're aware that she's been arrested and she's in police custody, but that's all we've heard so far from the I club. Guess probably legally, they can't release her until right. yeah. the court proceedings are done. Um, and all the facts need to come out, but just the sheer amount of similarities from, from person to person that's released this story, that has been talking about this story... I yeah. think enough of the facts are are very clear. I mean, it was within a, I think two days that she was found to be at fault for this and organizing this. So obviously, the right moves are being made. I just feel so bad. You know, you're a 32 year old veteran. You've been playing the game your whole life. You you've you grow up being taught to earn your position, and clearly she did that. She's playing for one of the the top clubs in the world. And to have a young player come in and forcibly take her spot is it's just an abomination to the game. It's an abomination to being a, a human being and and putting in that work. It just it discredits every single other player that has worked their ass off to be in that situation. And it's it's just embarrassing. Agree. Yeah. I I think, you know, most sensible people will agree with you, Mitchell. Um, uh, they fucking better. Third story. Um, yeah, no, for sure. Literally, I think yeah. it puts a poor image on the sport as a whole as well. Like, I think, like, I don't know, like, it, it definitely, it, it kind of hurts the the image of the beautiful game that like shit like this could actually happen. We we never, everybody thinks of soccer as as the, the beautiful game of football is such a respectful sport where like you know teams have shared sportsmanship and you know so so committed group of people and like to hear this it's this kind of downside to that in my opinion it kind of shatters a little bit of the image of the beautiful game yeah i could not agree more with that there um not a surprise I that think... it came from psg <laughs> <laughs> i have to agree with you on that one all things considered um i think you know before we close the episode out i would like to um make good on my promise that i made when we started rick's picks Gosh, how did last week go before we close the episode out? Three for seven, so almost 50%. We're still shooting well under 500 because of our three for 11 uh, week a couple weeks ago. That was really bad. Oof. Um, we're getting there. Well, we we're didn't make it official picks this weekend because there was no club matches. If there was club matches, we'd make picks. No picks this week were just international games. Right, okay. okay. Um, we don't gamble on territories. This isn't I, risk. I also there's a hot take <laughs> on the graphic. I'm sticking to the graphic and giving a hot take. But Pat cannot talk. We'll discuss it next week. Oh, we're doing the cliffhanger thing. We're again, doing the huh? cliffhanger thing, and it's gonna be very hard. I'm gonna stop recording so Pat can't talk. Well, okay. Stare at my camera. I'll just I do what I did last time. I'll, I'll I'll head I'll head right into the outro when you're done talking. You just give me the bat signal. Say it, Josh. Trent Alexander-Arnold is the best right back in the Premier League. And that is the main stand, episode 13. Or 14, because Pat wanted to have an episode zero. We're not letting him talk today. Uh, 
Julian, huge thank you for coming on, being our first real guest. We didn't have to ask one of our friends to come on. You provided a ton of great perspective. Uh, if you wouldn't mind plugging your, your what you're working on uh, one more time for, for people listening, and we'll absolutely get those links uh, down in the description. Uh, for sure. Well, thank you guys so much for having me on the podcast. It's been a pleasure to, you know, work with you guys and share the table with you guys to and talk about the, the beautiful game with you all. And uh, for sure, uh, definitely, uh, if you want to, if you guys, if you, uh, the listeners, if you listeners of the uh, uh, Main Stand podcast are interested in informing yourselves about the Serie A, please, uh, you know, visit the www.culturewithjulian.com where I post articles discussing post and pregame analysis, injury updates, and transfer news revolving around the Serie A. And you can also follow me on Instagram where I upload uh, little previews of the articles that I that are – so that way the, my supporters are uh, informed of when the articles are posted on the website so they could just go on once that Instagram post is made. Um, I have tons of things going on. I have other podcasts. Uh, other podcasts I'm going to be featured on eventually. Don't want to talk too much about it. I want to try to keep my uh, cultural Julian uh, supporters in suspense. And uh, definitely love working with you guys. We could collaborate again. If ever you guys want to have me on another episode, feel free to give me a text and I'll reach out and we could connect as soon as possible. Absolutely, absolutely. Thank you for having you on. Uh, really, really, really nice meeting you, man. Uh, you know, again, appreciate you being here. Uh, like Mitchell said, first real guest we've ever had. How fucking cool is that? It's not <laughs> we all went to school with. Yeah. So awesome, man. Thank you. Uh, everybody out there listening, Julian's socials and everything like that will be right down in the description and or show notes, depending on what you're listening slash watching. You know, however you choose to consume this content, we will make it convenient for you to introduce yourself to Julian. Um, sure. Anything else, guys? <laughs> Closing up the episode today. I think that's it. You know, do the thing, comment on the thing, like the thing, share the thing, listen to the thing if you made it this far in the thing. It's been a blast. Uh, again, can't thank Julian enough for uh, taking some time out of his day to, to hop on and talk uh, City Eye with us. Uh, huge amount of perspective. Uh, I appreciate him backing me uh, all the way, 100%, without fear, on my Fiorentina pick. Um, we all That's heard not that. what I heard. We, That's we not all heard that. We all heard that. But we will be back at it again next Friday. We will see you guys then. Deuce. Peace. Peace.